Hi there, listener. It's Matthew. You've come looking for an episode of the Children's Book Podcast, and you've found it. Hooray! But you're probably wondering why the name of the podcast has changed. After eight years of doing the Children's Book Podcast, I began a new career as head of podcasts at A Kid's Company About, where I now oversee a podcast network dedicated to producing original content that talks up to kids, centers the things going on in their world, and engages and challenges how they see the world and themselves. All of the episodes of the Children's Book Podcast are still here, but now, if you're subscribed, you'll get new episodes of Worth Noting, a kid's podcast about current events, hosted by me. Something for you and the young people in your life to enjoy together. Enjoy this episode, and I hope you'll check out Worth Noting and other podcasts from a kid's company about... Yeah. Right. Oh, you're in Maryland. I didn't I know am. You. I'm just outside of oh, Baltimore. Good. Where are you? Nice. I'm in California. Oh, well, well all right. In the well, Bay Area. <laughs> happy uh, dinner time, I suppose. Yeah. <laughs> well, our kids are grown, so I don't... We. It's the wonder of eating dinner whenever you want, even in front of the TV. The empty nest, it's, it's amazing. I, I can't <laughs> even fathom what you're talking about. It'll be another... How many years will it be I, for me? Goodness, oh, many but years. But I loved, I loved having that age that you have is just the best. So you oh. get to going to be reading so much with them it's so much so many wonderful stories ahead today's guest told me in an interview when you have strength and power it's never just given to you in spite of yourself it's for sharing well this is the children's book podcast episode number 444 and i'm your host matthew winner Natali Perkins is today's guest, and she shares Tiger Boy, Rickshaw Girl, and You Bring the Distant Near. But her presence and voice alone really do bring so much more than that. I can't wait to share our conversation with you. But before we get to that, I want to give a shout out to all of my patrons. Those folks who are supporting the podcast and helping keep the lights on care of our Patreon page. Thank you, Darshana, Jarrett, Mike, Link, Jenny, Sue, Anitra, Lynn, Ruth, Lara, Judy, Karina, Teresa, Elaine, and the van load of others who are coming with me on this journey. You're welcome to join us. Just visit patreon.com slash Matthew C. Winner and pick the support tier that's right for you. All the hugs and high fives for all the many, many ways all of you out there listening support this show already. Thank you. And speaking of support, please listen to a short message from our sponsors who helped to make today's episodes possible. The Children's Book Podcast is sponsored by Gallery Nucleus, an art gallery and bookstore where you can find prints, books, and other gifts from some of your favorite children's book illustrators like John Clausen, Christian Robinson, and more. Gallery Nucleus is offering listeners 15% off your next purchase by entering in the promo code WONDER18. Visit gallerynucleus.com to discover more or click on the Gallery Nucleus banner at matthewcwinner.com slash podcast. The Children's Book Podcast is also sponsored by Storyteller Academy. Learn the art of storytelling from published authors, illustrators, and editors at Storyteller Academy. The team shares, Our mission is to help aspiring storytellers learn the craft of storytelling by sharing our creative process intimately. We believe everyone has a story to tell. 
Listeners of the Children's Book Podcast are invited to a free mini class. Enroll today at www.storyteller.com wonder, or click on the Storyteller Academy banner at matthewcwinner.com podcast. And now please welcome my guest, Matali Perkins, and her books, Tiger Boy, Rickshaw Girl, and You Bring the Distant Near. Welcome to the podcast, Matali Perkins. I am so thankful you sat down to talk to me tonight. Oh, I'm excited to be here from coast to coast. Hey, Fun. how about it? Coast to coast, bedtime <laughs> yeah. and dinner time. That's All right. right. <laughs> <laughs> well, That's right. I, I, I was saying to you before recording, but I, I want to make sure I say it again uh, for those listening, that I stumbled across your book in, I think, one of my most favorite ways now, which is to say that... Uh, I found Tiger Boy on audiobook, recently released on audiobook, but mm. a book that has been out with readers for a couple years. Um, but I know that when audiobooks come out, even when paper books come out, books have a second life. And oh, so, let's hope. Oh, let's yeah, hope. well, well, so I'm coming to you from audiobook, and I know that there are many like me because I, <laughs> I teach in a school where children devour audiobooks. So yeah. I want to say, although I'm late coming to Tiger Boy, that I love your book. I found it beautiful, mm-hmm. beautifully written. Um, I, <laughs> I especially have a, 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 and perhaps you do too, a special place in my heart for Headmaster. And the way that <laughs> the way that he messes up these idioms, I thought that was so charming. And, uh, oh yes, headmaster, the, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> but before I get ahead of myself, why don't I first ask if you'll introduce yourself to those listening sure. that might not have met you yet? Yes. Well, it's good to be here. I'm Mitali Perkins, and I'm a full-time writer. I visit schools, love kids, love books, um, have explored that in my fiction that's between cultures sort of um, area and also my books focus a lot on justice and poverty issues so those two themes in my books I think that if as I said also I'm going to just lay it all out I have only read Tiger Boy but I was saying to you how propelled I feel into your works I know you have published a number of works and to, to know that 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 voice, that that focus uh, is something that you hearken back to with each book uh, is something that that um, that really resonates with me. And I think um, it's such an empowering quality for for children to read as well. So so good on you to be focusing with social justice in that way. Right. Well, it's hard. I was born in, in Kolkata, India, and um, I just had my birthday yesterday, Matthew. I was going to say happy I birthday. Know. I forgot. Thank you. I always hearken back to my first birthday, the very first breath I took because I shattered records in Kolkata. I made headlines. That was my celebrity moment because I, I was, I still, I don't think anyone's broken my record. I was the largest baby (laughs) born in Kolkata. (laughs) That's my celebrity moment. And, um, but I think I think it's a symbol of how, you know, when you have strength and health and power and privilege, you always are, it's never just given to you for the sake of yourself. It's always for the sake of people who have maybe less capacity. So that's been a focus of my work for the whole time I've been writing, which keeps me a little on the edges. I'm not surprised you haven't found my books, uh, just because 
it keeps a little me a little bit on the edge of maybe what's in mainstream or popular stuff. Not to say that popular stuff isn't doesn't deal with justice, but I got a lot of rejections for my books because the gatekeeper said kids like your students wouldn't want to travel all the way to a rural village in India with no American characters at all. Um, and so rejections came, but I, I, I think it's kind of time now for to realize kids do travel. I, you know, I think readers of all ages travel. I think I did not experience that as a child, and perhaps that's why I feel so awake, so alive mm-hmm. reading Tiger Boy in particular, because it takes me fully out of my experiences and puts me in in uh, a situation where I'm drawing connections, but everything is different as well. We have school. School is something that children all around the world go to, and yet school looks so different. We have family. Uh, you know, we are all born into a family of one shape or another, and yet families can be so different. Dynamics can be so different, not only, you know, across the world, but also just in your own school system. Your neighbors, mm-hmm. uh, the, the children represented in my school, uh, represent so many different families. So, so yeah, I think it's a it's a, a really wonderful time for our children, and also for teachers of children to to be witnessing how uh, culture is valued and celebrated the way that it is, and how it really does give voice to every child and give ownership to every child in our classrooms. Right, and you know how um, let's say you were to take your kids overseas and. Say you guys moved to somewhere that was a, in the francophone world, and it was there were French speakers all around you. You know that your kids would learn the language faster than you, and their accents would be better than you, right? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. My so children are already thing. learning the language of technology, and they're better at that language That's it. than me. So, right, yeah. exactly. Good, good point. So I think when you grow up with your imagination being fed with books from other cultures and other worlds, and you can, and your imagination then is so powerful. It's when you're a child. You're imagining life in other people's skin. That will last you a lifetime, much in the way that learning a language or learning an accent does in childhood. That ability to cross borders and cross cultures and use your imagination to almost be in the skin of another person. If you do that in childhood, it lasts you forever. I like that, to make sure that we adults listening are are striving to make sure our children can experience that in childhood, allow that to be there, knowing that that imprint uh, will make its mark throughout, regardless of whether you travel to a country you read about or just that you have an experience that allows you to um, to view the world in a different way. I think that it just it can't be understated the power that that stories hold in children's lives. But then to bring me back to you that responsibility that you have to our readers to bring them that, that the, the truth that they will find in your story. Right. Uh, That's, that's, uh, I think I like that word responsibility. I think that's pretty strong for me in my vocation. I studied political science and public policy and I, my career goal was to eradicate world hunger single-handedly by the time I was 30. (laughs) It didn't happen. Single-handedly. Yeah. It didn't happen. And, um, but I think that's along the way I realized how powerful stories are and how much I love them myself. And so uh, in my books, you see themes like microcredit in Rickshaw Girl, climate change, and um, that, that fragile 
balance between ecology and human poverty that's uh, that's in Tiger Boy. So you see these themes of that are maybe more bigger themes than people think children can handle. But I don't. I see children really responding to a girl who thinks, "Why can't I make money?" Or to a boy that says, "My islands. I love my islands. What's happening to them? Why are why are they getting smaller? Why are people leaving?" And so I think I, uh, children really can can go deeply with those those themes. I I I absolutely believe and support you in that idea too, and to know that to know that awakening those questions in a character can awaken different questions in us mm-hmm. uh, is something so strong. I found uh, in particular in Tiger Boy um, that awakening the the strength inside us, the knowledge inside us, the the um, ability to go and be love and be safety for someone or something else, I found mm. to be very compelling. Would you mind, before we go any further, just sharing mm. a little bit about the story um, sure. that, that is inside Tiger Boy? So as I said, I was born in Kolkata, India, and just about three hours outside of Kolkata is this amazing ecosystem called the Shundarbans. So uh, when it comes to people, plot, or place, which I try to weave together in all my stories, place is very important to me. And um, can you imagine three hours outside of Baltimore, there was a place where there were, spe- there were people who were so poor that they were venturing into a tiger preserve to forage for food, and every year 60 or 70 people were attacked and eaten by tigers. And that's that's what's happening in the Shundarbans. And the Shundarbans, the truth, yeah. Yeah, it's it's 102 islands, and half uh, are where the people reside, and the other half is the tiger preserve, and they're separated by a, a mesh fence. But the best fishing and the best honey collecting are in the tiger side, because islands are all shrinking, um, thanks to deforestation up in the north and all kinds of different climate forces. The islands are shrinking. The people are very, very poor. The tigers are hungry. The people are hungry. And so the fishermen go through the mesh, and they fish there, and then inevitably a tiger, a hungry tiger will. It's the last place on earth, really, where people are regularly eaten by tigers. And it's such an amazing ecosystem, Matthew. It's salt, water, and flats, mud flats, and these islands. And then then the roots of the trees grow up through the soil to try to get oxygen. And many of the animals have adapted there to actually drink salt water because it's so salty and so muddy. Wow. Yeah, it's beautiful. And when I took a when I visited there, it's just this mystical kind of a place with all these blues and greens and browns. And then you see that the mark of a tiger paw, a claw on the on the bank of a muddy shore. And you oh, know wow. that there are these mysterious tigers that are mostly hidden. But when they're hungry, they come and uh, try to find food. How, can, so I I, you, can I ask you before we go sure. um, further, how how... Long did you live in Kolkata as a child? You said you were born there, but yes, did, did you remain well, there long enough to be aware of the Shindavan? No, but my parents both grew up in villages in Bengal, and so I heard stories about it. Ah. And when I visited, I lived there in Asia for seven years as an adult, and so I visited then, and um, I don't know. It's just an amazing ecosystem. There's nothing like it. It's one of those, it's, um, one of those UNESCO-protected areas because it's so unique. So in my story, Neil lives on one of these islands and loves his island. He knows every corner, every inch of it. And the other problem is tigers are uh, very valuable to poachers, especially baby tigers. 
Uh, there are all kinds of myths and rumors about the medicinal qualities of tiger parts. So there's a high number of uh, poachers who really value them. So in my story, Neil is going along and uh, hears that there's a baby tiger cub that's escaped the preserve and is now somewhere hidden on his beloved island. He also knows there's a man named Gupta who really wants to find that tiger cub and not to bring it back to um, his, her mother, but to sell and kill and sell the, the baby tiger cub. And so Neil immediately wants to, his mission, of course, is to find the baby tiger cub and get it back to, to its mother before Gupta and his men find, uh, find the cub first. So that's the story as it unfolds. It gets complicated, though, because I explore some of the hard choices the adults have to make. Uh, some, would you, if you had to choose between feeding your family or working for a poacher, the choice gets really complicated for the adults. And so that's part of the story, too. I found that sort of most compelling that 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 um that we had to be up against those difficult decisions of when it comes down to a a matter of survival um what is the right choice mm-hmm. um and and that sometimes both choices can be right and wrong at the same time that complexity mm-hmm. that you presented uh readers with and also how how rooted in in truth, in in reality, in what felt like this is a story that could have been told, could have been real, um, was something that that really, I think, as I said before, really awoke my senses, uh, especially when we bring a child into into an area that feels so foreign to me that I feel like, how is a child walking around in this area? But, mm-hmm. but, but it reminded me that our, our nature, our environment, what we grow up in really raises us and really mm-hmm. um, sort of defines where our own boundaries are and, 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 and really what responsibilities we can have okay. in that environment. Right. That's it. That's exactly it. To, yeah, to own the tension and the complexity of the place, and that place does shape us much more than we realize. Yes, that's yeah, that's place explored in the book. Yeah. But, yes, I moved around so much that I I I really was always hungering for a place that felt like home. You know, this oh, my grandparents lived here. My great, I I never really had that because I was such a migrant, and we journeyed so many different places. But the plus side of that is. I can make myself at home anywhere. <laughs> I'm really good at that. And I think that um, that's why place is probably so important to me in my stories. I really love to uh, ex- explore that and how that shapes the child. Yeah, I had, um, I have a, a Patreon for the podcast and one of the, uh, one of the patrons wrote, um, Lynn Jones wrote specifically to ask you um, that you moved around a lot when you were a child. How have <laughs> your experiences living in so many different countries informed your writing and i hear that that focus on place have the other places that you've lived in um made appearances in your writing oh definitely yeah rickshaw girl set in bangladesh which is this country that neighbors um india and then bamboo people is in along the burma border the thai burma border we lived in thailand for a while um uh, my next i have a picture book coming out my first picture book and it's set along the california mexico border which is where, you know, now that I'm in California, I really, we have such a strong sense of that, uh, ourselves as a border state. Yeah. So, um, so yes, definitely place. And I think because I traveled across so many borders as a child, I do think it makes it easier for me to notice some of the nuances 
and subtleties in a place. Because if your survival as a kid in a new in a new school depends on how much you can quickly master the place, yes, you get uh, you get good at it. So I think that serves my writing. And uh, even though no place feels like home, as I said, I I really can create a strong feeling of home in each story, which is important to me. See, I like that 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 that. <laughs> That you started off telling us about this record-setting birthday <laughs> that you had, but yes. also that that the travel, traveling has caused you to just always be taking in, always be observing, uh, and then at some point, um, you chose to turn that back around and and use it to tell stories to children. So where where did writing become an interest for you? Uh, that's. Well, I always wrote stories and poems. I, um, my dad used to give me these little diaries that I would take out to the fire escape. My website's called The Fire Escape because we were in New York for a time in Flushing, and I used to take my little diary out there and, and write poems and stories from when I was 8, 9, 10 years old. And um, this always gave me joy, wordplay and putting words together, but I didn't think it was going to be a vocation. And I should have known when I was in college and taking final exams I would sneak off to the public library and find, you know, my old copy and an old copy of A Little Princess or, or the Narnia books and just reread those to de-stress before my chemistry exam. I should have I should have realized that was a clue to my vocation. <laughs> but uh, of course, you know, as a as an immigrant child of parents who strongly emphasized education, much like um, the the culture of the book, the education is so valued in our Bengali culture. It's really hard to tell your parents, oh, I want to be a children's book writer when, you know, they've brought you here at great sacrifice for a wonderful education and are hoping that you'll be an engineer or something. So that didn't become a vocation until much later when I was able to take a risk and say, no, this is what I want to do with my life, with my voice, with my talents. I want to be a, a writer and try to see if I can make that my career. So my second, my first book won a contest in New York, and I thought, yay, I'm going to be a writer. Yeah. And then my second <laughs> book, Matthew, was revised thoroughly and rejected thoroughly oh, no. <laughs> by 22 different editors. It's only 22? Yes, I almost gave up. It took 11 years between book one and book two for me. And I, um, good thing I was you know, doing other things like being a mom, etc. But I am... Um, those, that's when I learned how to revise. I am not scared of revision anymore. No. I know I can make something uh, better. But uh, yeah, and then now this is my 10th book. I just I just uh, was published in 2017. So I've, I've kept going. I've kept, I'm, I'm, the, I'm the big Kolkata baby that could. <laughs> <laughs> but that second book through those revisions and yeah. through those years, there was, there was also faith in that story. You believed in that story. You stuck with that story which I think speaks also to, to, to that firmness in, um, in your characters and your belief in your characters, but also in that belief of place, in that belief yes. of, of setting a story and wanting to make sure that it, that it reaches, that it connects. Yes, absolutely. Of the three Ps, plot, people, and place, my characters are come, I'd say they probably come first and then place second. People first, place second, very close tie. And then plot is what I'm working on now. I'm really trying to grow in that as a writer, adding tension. And I took a course that Pixar offers on for free through Khan Academy just this January yeah. after after 10 books. And I just wanted to see how they how they 
pursue their storytelling when it comes to plot because they're, they're fantastic at plot, Pixar is. So it was a wonderful course. I highly recommend it if anyone's listening and wants to want to take a jump forward in your storytelling. Khan Academy, Pixar uh, storytelling course. That was really, it was helpful with plot. So that's my growing edge, but it's exciting. I'm working on a graphic novel, which is going to require a lot of that that I uh, hopefully learned through that course. Whoa, 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 whoa. Listen to you. You're like rattling off everything now. Wait, okay, slow down. First, I'll link that Pixar course yeah. through Khan Academy. I'll link it in the show notes so that way people can find it. But Good. but you went, you garnered some things there. There were some things you learned, I take it. I did, I did. New perspective. Learned, Was that before yes, or yes. after you sold the picture book? Uh, after, so I'm even still after, so you've still yeah. got that sense of of well, seeing in in illustration and seeing in art, as well as through words. I read a ton, and I think Good. when you read a ton, I mean, I started reading early. I was like three when I began reading, and I read oh, to our word. boys with twins, and it's the one thing I did right, Matthew, in my entire parenting. Uh, oh, stop! My it. The history. one thing I'm sure there were a couple I know of things I did right that I know with certainty <laughs> that I. It's like excellent in, you know, there's not much you could know with certainty that you excel in, but reading to my kids was, that was a, a given. And I did that with my whole heart. So I read a ton. And I think when you read, it informs your gut about stories. So I had some of this natural story stuff, but what Pixar did, the, the Pixar course, it gave me a, some vocabulary about what I already kind of knew and a way to s- assess whether or not, how I could improve uh, the, the arc of a story, the tension of a story, how to make it really a, more of a page turner. So that's fun. It's fun to grow at all after all these years and rejections. It's fun yeah, to rejections. grow. Well, so you <laughs> went from there though. Did you graphic, not talking to me about graphic novels. I am, I am obsessed with graphic novels. I oh. write picture books and graphic novels. I do not illustrate. I take it that, do you illustrate? No, not at so all. I'm one, of those people that, I'm one of those people that looks at art and goes, ooh, yes, how did right? you do that? Yeah, I've so no, is this no, the no, first yeah. graphic, is this the first, uh, how can I best word this? Is this the best, is this the first thing you wrote in the graphic novel format? Is this the first time for writing in, in panels? Right now. Yeah, 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 it's a proposal. Oh, cool. and it's, But the p- proposal included, I had to write three of the chapters in panels. Yeah. Exactly. And that was uh, fun to learn and um, oh, I love it. Good for you. Yeah, it's just a way to grow in story. Whatever, whatever. It t- I just love stories. So whatever it takes for me to grow as a storyteller, I, I'm I'm all in. But, and I but think you were given. No- yeah, no, no. Go ahead, please. I'm sorry. You think graphic novels? Go ahead. I think it really helps bring um, that uh, tension. You know that page turning tension. Yes. I think if you into a story. So yeah, it's fun. I think. Next- Next will be a screenplay. No, I don't know about uh, well, that. Well, <laughs> if you're writing a graphic novel, you're not far off. I know. Um, I think the that way that smart. the graphic novels so intentionally uh, versus a picture book, you're actually writing with the pictures in mind. We we need the pictures. We need to balance the, the the pictures and the text. It becomes really important to find that balance. But also, the one thing that I love talking to cartoonists about um, is that craft of writing for the page turn of writing the pace so you can find that page turn over and over through you know hundreds of page turns um, I think is such a, a powerful you're craft. scaring me <laughs> yeah no that's true it's true in a picture book as well the page turn very yeah. important but to, and to also, hold attention, I think, but yeah I, I think yeah. that it's just something that I think that as a as a novelist you don't think about you do think in terms of chapters and you think in terms of the beginnings and the endings um how important that is in in chapters and the tension to to draw a reader 
uh, to the next chapter, but I think that graphic novels um, so powerfully um, have to consider how many panels and how do we land on on a panel to a page turn to in between mm-hmm. panels. I think that it, it's just such a really cool format. So to know that the story came to your mind where you felt like this, this is the format that I feel compelled to tell this story through uh, mm-hmm. is something really exciting for me. It is. And I think when you want to sustain a career as a storyteller, you probably should play around with different genres. It, it, it may not be the one that you're most uh, versed in or excellent in, but I've been around so long now that to try something new it really informs the. It'll inform my novels. It, it, so I think we need to play around with different venues for our stories, um, and that'll really help all of our stories. So, uh, oh, yeah, I'm in it. I'm in it for the long haul here. I'm, I'm not giving you. up. Yeah. And not only for the long haul, I can hear that you're in it for the whole school. You're in it for all the readers. Really, yeah, all the readers, okay. because your newest book is 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 older older than elementary yes. correct yes this is, you is you bring the distant near the newest yes that's the newest one um and as i said there are two kinds of books that i write one that is better fully set overseas with hard no bridge american characters that explore these more justice themes that's more for upper elementary and then i explore the hyphenated life or the asian american life or the indian american life or even the Bengali American life. Mm. And those are my books that are more for um, middle school and up. And I have several books in that genre uh, as well. And You Bring the Distant Near fits more into that that world where, uh, you know, that identity search that happens when you're 14 and up. Uh, who am I? Where do I, where's home? What, what do I... What do, what are my what are my labels? Where do I stand? What's my voice? All those questions. It's really more memoir than any of my books. Ah. Uh, yeah, so that's it's scary when readers say I read it because I think, oh wow, you really got to know my family you read and me, all of, yeah. all of our dysfunctions. But it's uh, <laughs> it's been nice to see the response of that. That book's gotten probably better reviews and more national attention that like it was nominated for the national book award and I read any, of, Congratulations. any of my books. thank you yes that was that was wonderful um uh, but I, because my other books have been like you said you didn't discover tiger boy until uh, yeah three years after its pub date so my other books have had slow but steady um thanks mostly to school librarians who championed my yeah. books and um they've been slow and steady but this one was kind of nice to start with a bang like that for it's, a change after as of my 10th book it's well it's nice to see your books have staying power that that people mm-hmm. find them that's the, i mean the, i've i found tiger boy and there are mm-hmm. nine other books for me to read that's a wonderful thing let me just tell you also though that as much as uh, you were recommending i i read rickshaw girl which i i will mm-hmm. i shall i'll listen mm-hmm. to it on audio i can't wait but mm-hmm. i'm a sucker for a good title and i would love to know where the title you bring the distant near comes from it's such a beautiful evocative title where, where is that from yes uh well that book's on audio too in fact it's nominated for an audio award there are five uh, narrators hey. did such a beautiful job well, i'm making a you note can of that i will i will gonna... listen to it um, <laughs> anyway that the title is 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 such a confirmation to me because I, the original title was borderlines because it's all about it's five uh women and three generations, and it's really the story of how coming to America change, changes their, their whole family and how they integrate the different sides of the hyphen that come in 
Uh, one of the daughters falls in love with a black black man, and um, and the, and there's a lot of so the third generation is a biracial black Bengali girl, and uh, so it was um, all those explorations of border crossings. But the title was so dull, borderline. Oh my gosh. So in the book, I explore a lot of poetry written by Rabindranath Tagore, our Bengali Nobel laureate poet. He uh, he's an amazing po- poet. No one here written reams and re- hundreds and thousands of poems that I grew up hearing in Bengali. Wow. And so because I mentioned him so much in the book, my editor said, we got to find a better title. So she went on all weekend. She read a ton of his poetry. She called me and she said, this is Grace Kendall of FSG um, for, for Australia and Giroux. She called me and said, Mitali, I've got it. It's you bring the distant near. And I, my jaw dropped because when I got married um, many years ago now, but I was the first one to marry somebody outside of our culture for generations. And I, it was hard. My, would my family accept my husband? Well, my grandfather, all the way in Kolkata, we got married in California, sent um, his gift to us. And he asked that his gift would be read aloud in our wedding. And the poem that we had read aloud in our wedding was You Bring the Distant Near. And it's oh. about how, yeah, so when she said that poem, I was like, oh, the theme song of my life. It's no accident that that, um, that poem was translated into Bengali. Uh, he trans- my grandfather translated it from Bengali to English. And it's about, it's, you have made uh, the, the stranger into a friend. You've made the distant into family. That idea... Uh, it's a devotional poem to God, really, and it's about how God brings us so close to people who are far away if we open our hearts and receive them as family and friends. And that's what the poem's about. That's what my grandfather gave my, my husband, and that's what the title of the book is. So wow. it's it's very sweet. Yeah, it's very sweet to me. Oh, Mentelli, that's beautiful. <laughs> it's kind of amazing, isn't it? I mean, he's written thousands of poems. She could have said any poem, any other poem in the world she could have picked. And that he's written. I know. He's, he's very pro- prolific. So um, that wow. was the one. She said, you bring the distant near. And I was like, what? That's amazing. So that's kind of my life mission, really, Matthew. It's through my writing. I do want to bring the distant you near. Do, I do yeah, believe. I was just going to say, you, that's probably why I'm hearing that title, because you, yes. you do bring the distant near. And in right, that closeness, right? That closeness, that intimacy that we have with with reading another culture, with experiencing um, characters that are that are experiencing something that's unfamiliar to us, it makes the unfamiliar familiar. And in that way, we can build understanding and compassion. And that's that's good heart work right there. Oh, it's, thank you for that uh, encouragement. Yeah, that that's definitely encapsulates my vision for my vocation and. Um, and I'm hopeful. I really do think stories do that. Uh, relationships, of course, do that. But stories, too. Uh, if you're in a place, in a in a very kind of a monocultural place, and you're growing up, and you're thinking, where am I going to make a friend who is, uh, you know, uses chopsticks or or wears different kinds of cl- sari, and you don't have access to people, then stories are so lo- such a lovely way to bring people, as you said, the unfamiliar, make them familiar. Yes. Mm-hmm. I have had the best time ever talking to you, Matali. Oh, I just need to say that I'm watching our time. Our time has flown yes. by. Sif, you know, like sand through my fingers. Um, <laughs> I feel so blessed to be connected with you. And vice versa. That my school library, I'll tell you, my, none of my books would reach any children if it wasn't for you guys or my oh. champions all around the whole country. So lots of love to school librarians. Well, who are listening. 
And you, my friend, are this testament to this show that it's, I've always said going into this, that it's, it's when we get to learn the person behind the book that we can really deeply love these stories and know more and feel connection. And I feel like I was ready to read more of your books after Tiger Boy. Now I feel compelled to. I feel like it's a need. I must, I must <laughs> do this. I can't wait to get to, I can't wait to get to know, as you said, you and your dysfunctional family yeah. through these stories, but I can't yeah. wait to get to know you and, oh. and your work and your values and the places, the worlds that you have seen. I can't wait to experience that. Thank you as a librarian, as a reader. Thank you for all that already you've given to all of us readers. Oh, that's so nice to hear. Yeah, that much. Yeah, definitely. You're you're younger than me and you have two small children. So I think you would have to, if we get to know each other better, you're going to have to start calling me auntie. And then we'll really be close after that. <laughs> that's well, what I Indians hope, do. That's I, what Indians do. I hope so this that's... isn't the last time we talk. I can't no, wait for the many, so. many more books you'll be sharing with me. Before we go, before we go, Matali, let me do what, what I, I feel like always serves us best. Let me bring us back to my library uh, and say that I'll see a library full of children tomorrow morning. Is mm-hmm. there a message that I can bring to them from you? Yes, I would tell them, you have a superpower right now, and that superpower involves crossing borders of culture. And if you use it now, whether it's through your friendships or your stories, it's going to last you a lifetime. So choose a book that lets you imagine another life, move into someone else's skin, and live boldly there through that story. And for the rest of your life, you'll be able to cross borders really easily, like I do. This is Andy Plemons, school librarian, speaker, and blogger at expectmiraculous.com, calling in from Athens, Georgia. The Children's Book Podcast is recorded and produced by Matthew Winter in his library studio in Ellicott City, Maryland. You can subscribe to the podcast and access the archive of over 400 episodes at matthewcwinner.com slash podcast. Our theme music is by Poddington Bear, care of the Free Music Archive. All views and opinions expressed on the show are those of the individuals and do not reflect ideas or viewpoints of the publishers of the books referenced. Want to help out the show? Writing a review on iTunes or sharing the podcast with friends through Facebook, Twitter, word of mouth, or any other means helps reach more listeners, which leads to more content and more amazing guests. And that's a very good thing indeed. We know you value what you put in front of your kids, especially when it comes to screens and podcasts. That's why we're excited to share a new podcast from our friends at Sleepiest, creating bedtime stories to help your kids fall asleep fast. Hello, Abby here. If you've got children and find bedtimes a struggle, I'd like to tell you about Coco Sleep, a children's story podcast designed to make bedtime a dream. Coco Sleep turns a chaotic bedtime into cozy bonding time. The stories are delivered in a pace that gently slows. Rumour has it that no one's ever heard an ending. 
So search Coco Sleep on your favourite podcast app and let's make bedtime a dream. That's K-O-K-O Sleep and I'll see you there.